Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest independent startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe in partnership with Google for Startups. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high-growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There's no time to wait, so let's begin. Hey all, Chris Jonu, your buddy from Melbourne, and I am extremely proud to be presenting today's podcast, my interview with the brothers Zachariah, Alex, and Anthony from Linktree. And I'm super pumped because they're from Melbourne. And it's not because I just love hyping up Melbourne, which I do. It's because they have Australia's fastest growing tech platform. So when you're thinking about the Canvas and Atlassians of the world, you will soon need to mention Linktree. Three million users worldwide. Got Alicia Keys, Jamie Oliver, Chance the Rapper, New Kids on the Block, Chelsea Handler, Red Bull, Qantas, and a million other brands and influencers using the product. And... What's incredible to me and what's fun about the whole thing is the serendipity of it all. So the, the brothers have this music agency. It's called Bolster, and uh, they look after you know big musicians and, and major festivals, and uh, they were just trying to solve this problem for their artists and kind of spun it out. It was People just wanted it, and now they're just trying to get out of the way of their own growth. And as they add analytics and more and more functionality to the product, Sky's the limit. It's very exciting times, and you're going to love this story. Enjoy. So, yeah, tonight, uh, as I said, really informal. I, I usually start with the question, and this is really easy because you're brothers. Was there a mother or father that was an entrepreneur? That's usually my, my first one. Or was there a, uh, a moment where you remember selling baseball cards or, like, early-day entrepreneur stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like... The word entrepreneur, I don't, yeah, I don't know if they really classified it as entrepreneur back then, but certainly our parents are definitely very much like that. They ran a musical instrument uh, retail store and imported musical instruments for majority of our childhood, and so did their parents, um, so did my mum's, our mum's parents. Um, so we definitely grew up in that atmosphere of a, a small business hustle. Um, and I think that's probably contributed a lot to our attitude towards work. Yeah. And were they, did you have to go to work at the music shop? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Packing boxes, unloading containers, all sorts of Anything shit. Anything they didn't want to do. Pretty basically. much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mo- I mean, most of our childhood was definitely pick up from school, go to the music shop, stay there until they were ready to go home at 6 or 7 o'clock, and then... How early was this? This is like primary school, I guess, yeah. like always yeah. around that kind of... Always seeing them work super hard um, for that, and then yeah, then they moved into wholesale and importing musical instruments. Um, yeah, and we're definitely like, straight out of uni. Sorry, straight out of school. I went and worked there for a few years. I think Anthony did as well. Did a couple of years while I was at uni as well, working there. Um, I think it's probably. You need, oh, that, sorry. That, that one goes to the camera, and that one goes to the audience. Got it. Sorry, yeah. Like, yeah. Double, double mic. Um, it's probably where I, I guess a lot of the work ethic was instilled. Mum and dad, you know, always working pretty hard and you know and also the sense of being able to work with your family it was always a bit weird growing up but then it wasn't that weird but often dinner table conversations like our older brother worked in the family business it was always like just always around business essentially and um working together which is probably where we got a sense of being able to actually not kill each other um working together <laughs> it's worked yeah, so far that makes sense that was actually one of the prep questions from your pr firm was like, <laughs> how do you work together as brothers I, 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 so my first business with my brother, same thing. We almost killed each other, though. Yeah. Um, and it was definitely a learning curve around, 
you know, not telling each other to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and like, this is a working relationship now and not uh, brother stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, we, yeah so, oh, no, I was going to say, yeah. we get it heaps. We get that question a lot. With, yeah. Um, how do you guys work together as brothers? And I, I don't know, just kind of, it's never really been, it's like we kind of see it as an advantage because we'll, we can say things to each other that you wouldn't normally say to a colleague. We can get pretty heated at each other and just be like, be really real with each other and just, um, whereas, you know, you might kind of take the long way around with a colleague um, in other ways. And we've had to really teach ourselves to not talk like brothers or beaker in front of the team. Yeah. Uh, like in a meeting, we're just like, that's just how we communicate. Just kind of, you know, we're yelling at each other or you something. You think you're yelling so at each other, but you're actually here to see you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Radical candor. Yeah. That's the term now. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're going to, yeah, we're going to uh, use that one. And, and then just, um, so how did you not end up in some sort of um, retail, wholesale business, something with inventory, or was it something that we just like obvious where we like the digital side, or how did it kind of evolve? Probably because we actually did spend time in it and realised we didn't want to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, yeah, growing up in, I guess, more of the digital age and seeing, you know, having a bit more of a passion for doing more of that kind of work. Um, yeah. yeah, and just like, I guess, we, so, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more, but where we started in terms of running a digital agency for music um, was kind of definitely working with that other side of the music industry, which is the actual entertainment and working with artists and f festivals and that kind of thing more so than important musical instruments and the actual business side of the instrumentation. So, yeah, well, yeah. So, we'll go back a little bit before. Uh, yeah. So what, what was the education? What did you do? What did you study at school? Um, I took a year off, worked, and then I did entrepreneurship at RMIT. I probably um, did the same course. It was a good course. Um, I think I did it when it was in its second year, second or third year when it just started out, um, and was working in the family business while that was while I was doing that, and then worked in family business in a couple of years after that. Then I moved to Sydney to work at the Sound Alliance, which is now Junkie Media, and I was so that was sort of in music media, selling advertising essentially, digital media, digital marketing. Did that for a couple of years and then decided never want to work for anyone else again. Not because of them, they're great, but just yeah. didn't want to do it and started managing bands and doing digital marketing um, as like a freelancer. So I had sort of a, started doing my own business and that. And this guy didn't even bother finishing uni and was doing his own thing in Melbourne too. And that's when we <laughs> decided to link up and start running a management business together. It's kind of like that Stanford dropout story. Yeah. Like I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah, so, and then you just kind of had a passion for music too, but wanted to be on the digital side, or you just yeah, yeah. I mean, so I started entrepreneurship as well, um, and I think the course had changed a lot by the time I started. It became a lot more um, theoretical. What's the age difference? <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Um, six years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get that a lot as well. You're the younger brother. Yeah, yeah. So it was a mum said no choice, but you had to have. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Felt sorry for him. <laughs> Even the fact that people have to ask which one's younger, I'm like, yeah. um, <laughs> every all the time. That's okay. Um, yeah, it just was a lot more theoretical, and it was just not my vibe. So I got out of there after one semester. Um, much to our parents' dismay, I had to promise dad I'd go back, which I think he's cool with now. Yeah. Not going back. Um, Hopefully, I haven't really asked him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then I went into, yeah, work with the family business, figured I'd learn a lot more just doing that and actually doing it ourselves than kind of in that environment. Um, and I started running parties and 
club nights um, on the weekend and, yeah, and then started managing DJs, realised that Anthony was managing DJs and that's when we kind of started working together the most and started managing, he was managing bands, I was managing DJs and we started managing them all together. So how, how, tell me how that kind of came about, was it just... Um, I think we're kind of just helping each other out anyway, um, just with things that I might have been better at and things that he might have been better at, just with each of our acts. And we kind of just said, why don't we just put this together and make it a, a management firm? Um, that's kind of where, that's where Bolster started. Um, just kind of yeah, doing that. And meanwhile, Anthony was working um, freelancing in digital media buying. So you just hang around clubs a lot and just be like, look, you, you probably need a manager, bro. Oh, you know? uh, well, that, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so there was one particular club that I was running. There was these DJs that I just kept pulling this huge crowd every time I booked them. Yep. And they were doing, blowing up in kind of like blog world when blogs were huge for music. Um, yep. And just started managing them, looking after them, and then they did really well around Europe. Um, so that was kind of my next year or so. Spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, it helped getting the gigs in Europe. Yeah, I mean they did multiple. We're gonna get on the tech stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did heaps of um, yeah. heaps of like like sold out tours around Europe, which at the time I was like, oh cool, it's gonna go tour Europe. Um, just seemed kind of normal. Now I realise working with artists still is kind of like selling out on your first trip to Europe is not the normal thing. So they were doing really well then. What was the name? Trump Disco, they were called. Yeah. No and longer. then um, obviously you know just from what I've seen from your from your sites and stuff, very creative. Um, so you guys design us as well? Is it, is it, are they on the team or? We're not. Um, <laughs> but we have a lovely other co-founder that didn't make it up on the stage. He's here in the audience tonight. <laughs> He's the design uh, so creative. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look at his outfit. He has no, no recognition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Winklevoss. <laughs> yeah, they've been, they've been telling me they're going to get a new photo for the for the whole time, but they just didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor guy didn't get in the boat. Um, so moving forward, um, uh, so then you started getting some interesting clients as an agency as well, right? On the, on yeah. the design side. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, the freelancing started picking up more and more, and it wasn't just freelancing. We started doing digital marketing for some of the biggest festivals in the country, like Laneway Festival and Slender in the Grass and Future Music Festival, which isn't around anymore. Um, and it was kind of offering a, realized we, we were, there was this niche there that nobody was a digital specialist for the music industry. It was really fragmented. It was media buyers charge a ridiculous amount of money just to do a very simple job. Um, social was becoming where you would advertise records and gigs and festivals and things like you know remarketing. No one knew what the hell that was five or six years ago in the music world. Um, and you don't in music you don't uh, you don't really own the whole ticket flow. It goes off to Ticketmaster or Moschix or Oztech and so Oztix and so that whole purchase funnel uh, promoter doesn't own that. There's a whole different way to it. So just linking all that up, which we found really easy to do, was sort of blew people's minds a little bit. And so we're like, shit, this is a I think this is a business. We'll call it an agency and we'll go and be this digital music specialist, digital marketing specialist for the music industry. Um, and was that kind of like, obviously that would have been helping artists make more money, right? Helping artists make more money, um, helping festivals sell tickets for less than they were doing it for. Um, yeah, and it went, kind of went from there, went, that grew really quickly uh, from like just us two to about 17 people in the first year or year and a half. Wow. Um, and yeah. So can we can you start going through some of the uh, the scaling 
of, of, of the agency will get in. I don't, I, imagine, I can kind of see how the link tree will fall in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, so as you've got startups here trying to grow their companies and they're scaling, uh, what were some of the things that um, you did well and you didn't do well? Um, probably not hiring quick enough. Didn't do well. Um, did well was, we, I think there's the level of service I think we had and we kind of had cornered the market a little bit um, and just delivered, over-delivered. Over probably that, you know, if we tried to do that now, I think we'd probably burn out and, you know, the whole mental health thing would not be cool. But um, we definitely just, I think we just put everything into it at that time. Well, I imagine you're probably working 18 hours a day before you figured, shit, we need someone else. Nope. Yeah, yeah. And I... I uh, as you as you probably realise in the, this this duo, I'm a little bit of the glass half empty, rain it in, and he's the one that's like, ah oh, fuck it, we'll take over the world, and it's got to pull him back. Yeah, that's good. But it kind of works as a bit of a yin and yang. Um, yeah. But he was like, we need to hire somebody. We've got too much work. I'm like, yeah, maybe some part time. I don't know if we can afford. He's like, no, dickhead. We need to fucking hire somebody because like we can't do this work. I'm like, all right. And then yeah. as soon as that person started, we had like two more job ads up, and it kind of just went from there. So it was a, so what, what is your, I'm just interested in like what your take is on on uh, the right time to hire or like to hire again while managing, was it just you got enough work, you, you know, or are you taking the gamble that the, the employees, I just, I'm just interested in how different people do it, or are you taking the gamble on, I hire these two people on sales and they're going to, surely they'll get enough business in that yeah. we can keep going, how do you kind of, how do you, I think yesterday is the answer. Um, like yeah. uh, in terms of if you find the right people, you have a pipeline to be able to find the right people. Um, the way it happened with Bolster was just we were fortunate that I guess we were, the agent, we were doing such a good job that it was we still like four years on, four and a bit years on, we still haven't called called anyone. It's built as a really relationship driven um, agency where we do a good job and it'd be a lot of word of mouth and we'll continuously kind of get both inbounds and people just referring us but also just through relationship type selling. So a lot of the sales just kind of happen ourselves. We never really had to go, okay, we're going to have to hire a sales team to try and get people, to try and get jobs in to then hire the rest of the team going to execute it. Um, but we were, we were getting work in faster than we could hire people. So that decision for us was easy enough. There was like, there was so much work all the time. We were working crazy hours. We just had to keep trying to find the right people, um, which was always um, relatively difficult. But we've, I mean, we've worked out a much better process and pipeline now, worked out ways to make sure we're always kind of aware of people that are going to be good fit for the role. But so back what, then that was much harder. So what does that look like? Is that like, is that you guys sitting down and talk, discussing what you wanted the culture to be? How does that look now that you've kind of Optimize um, Yeah, definitely. I mean, now it's, um, I think now the culture's very much solidified, certainly across Bolster. Um, we've got a, a written handbook um, that, it, that the whole team, we try to instill values in and everyone kind of reads and it's definitely a really big part of our, our recruitment tool that people, um, you know, when we interview them, they're like, I read that handbook, that's why I want to work here. So it's a really big part of it. Um, and it's just definitely something we try to get everyone and we live by, try to live by every day. Um, obviously, as we scale, that becomes a lot harder to really be able to, to nail. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we've, we hired a talent acquisition manager lately, which is probably the one mistake we can talk about. Probably should have hired that much earlier um, because the amount of time we spent, used to spend actually trying to do that hiring process was difficult. Yeah, definitely. Does, does that guidebook also um, become a, 
that's an absolute no for us because of like even if they're super talented on one area, is that where you'll kind of uh, cut them off because they don't fit the values? Um, you just try and mould them in. Yeah, try and mold, yeah, it's almost like you see something there because not everyone's perfect and going to fit the mould. If everyone fit the mould immediately, you just have a bunch of clones and it's not, yeah. it doesn't make for a really good workplace and environment. So I guess it's like having elements of things that we, we want and um, I think one big thing is too that is people that are coachable, depending on their, whatever their level is. Um, can they teach us stuff as well? Because we're still learning as we go. So yeah, that's just a good kind of, I guess, you know, guiding light, Northern Star type thing. We try and look for some of those principles in people. Cool. Um, so moving kind of forward to Linktree. So I'm, 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 I'm gonna guess it's one of the client just had this need or, or how did, how did the, the problem arise and then, um, then you get to making that product? Go on. So we were, we were, um, we had the agency going, and it started as a bit of a side thing because we're also managing artists and, and had clients of this need, where uh, we're updating social media profiles um, all the time, managing socials, running campaigns, and as you do with socials, like a lot of content all the time, artists updating stuff all the time. Just look at my video, look at my blog, download this, look at my tour dates. Um, events are the same and so you were like, handling that for the artists as well for artists and for yeah and so um, it became this thing of like changing your bio two or three times a day to direct to new content it became pretty fucking annoying so it was um, like surely there's a way that this could be better and as Alex sort of went to our developer I was like can we you know if we just have a link that then just has another bunch of links and it just directs where all the stuff have to go and you have to change that other link just stays there and that's it, and it's like, yeah, I reckon. So, kind of, we just we built it from there, and the next day had a prototype, um, and started showing it to our clients. Started using it for them, and, and you know, actually validated it, um, just using it for ourselves within the agency. Um, kind of then just started going from there. We just kind of kept working on it, tweaking it um, on the side of the agency, essentially while we're doing that, and kept testing with different client groups. Um, and was it and just the reaction that people were like, this, this is great, where you thought, let's spin it out? Yeah. Yeah, it took, more, about, yeah, it took a bit, didn't it? It took a little while. I mean, obviously, um, yeah, we started giving it to, obviously, usually with our management clients, but also our, um, our festival clients. So early days, like Splendor in the Grass and those kind of clients that obviously will get quite a bit of traffic on their, on their profiles. So it started to spread a little bit from there. And actually, you know, obviously, once it's in your profile, people are going to see it. And it's a bit of a self-marketing tool, which was super fortunate with and it's a decision we made there so um it was you know sitting five to ten signups a day kind of thing that people started to just discover it themselves and i think once we realized people were discovering it themselves and just using it um without us giving it to them to use and um, noticing user groups like obviously we built it and designed it with music in mind and artists in mind not understanding that kind of that world um, and starting to see other user groups start to use and other different types of use cases um, is when we've started really, really realizing it was a it was a product there. So internally, just for clients, then at some point you just set up Linktree, well, it's Link.tr.de. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was from the start. We so our, our developer was like, I think I can do that, and did it in about. Well, it was a really, really quick kind of basic wireframe design, and he built it in about six hours or so showed it to us, I was like, this is what you're thinking? I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, kind of nailed it. It's like roughly there. Um, we then went to work and designing, and Nick did 
did all the work around design. I'm going to keep pointing to Nick because he's not in any of our photos and he's not here. Um, Doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> he was obviously the, the creative brains behind it in terms of um, have, and not formally trained in UX or UI. Just, he's an amazing communication designer and graphic designer, but he just had, his, had a crack at building the UI and designing that. Um, and we played around with the brand name for probably a day or so. I don't think it was very long. It was going to be called InstaBio. Um, which we're so glad we didn't do because that was terrible. Um, yeah. Um, and so we gammoned Linktree and yeah, went, went with that. Um, so that was before we put it up. For, so it was always called Linktree. And then when was like this aha uh-huh moment where you go, shit, no one else has got this? And then I made, then I guess there's evolution where you go, we've got a lot of traffic going through this. Can we connect, you know, Facebook Pixel? How did you just, can you just go through how, the, how it's evolved? Yeah, so then, yeah, was five, ten sign-ups a day, um, and we get, kept kind of just adding little features. You couldn't, you basically could only choose from four themes. We didn't have any custom branding or anything like that, so it was kind of just, just people were um, using it, like we said, for things outside of music. Um, and kept kind of ramping up from there, and I think, yeah, then we, we said, okay, I think, you know, this is actually something people are using, it was only free, um, and we only built it to solve our own problem. Um, and we're happy to continue doing that, just like solve our own problems, solve others' problems as a free product that fit into the kind of world we were already in and it was just useful. Um, so we decided to build it in a lot more than six hours, spend a few more weeks on it and actually rebuild the entire thing from scratch um, to make it more stable. Um, added, added In there we added a bunch more features around customization and um, just the way the UI worked. And then our plan was to keep building, add some more features and be ready and then put it on something like Product Hunt. Um, but someone else had that idea for us and someone over in, in the States put it up on Product Hunt the night before our sister's wedding um, at like two in the morning. I was in the bridal party. It was not good timing. Um, and it kind of it went pretty wild. There was like heaps of comments. We kind of had to go, get, on, get up, um, not get our beauty sleep before the wedding. And, yeah, be, yeah we were commenting and being, oh yeah, it was, it was full on, but it was super exciting. I mean, Product Hunt's one of the, those websites I check daily. I was always like, was so excited to have some kind of product to put on there. So for it to be on there, for it to, I think it got number two or three product of the day, somewhere around there, and it got um, heaps of upvotes and people were just like, this is great, this is like, I never realized this problem existed or, and you've done it so simply or like, I really love using this. So we started to realize that people not in our network um, actually found it useful. So, and yeah, that was, that was when we probably, that was kind of the first pinch moment. Then it was about a week after that. Um, we had a, uh, in Slack, we had a Slack channel for users just that sign up and every single time someone signed up, we would get an alert. Um, and we'd check that and just be really excited watching people, you know, 10, 20, 30 sign-ups a day. Um, and then that went to about 1,000 a, 1, a day when, when it went on product time for a couple of days and it dropped back down to around 100 or 200. And then we saw Alicia Keys come up in the, in the users that came through and we're like, that can't be real. That's not like, that must be a fan page or something like that. And we clicked in and we're like, oh, whoa, it's real. And like, we looked at an email address and there's an official email address. We're like, yeah, it's like we're all dancing around the office. We were in a co-working space at the time and people were just like, what are doing? Um, and kind of, yeah, it's definitely, that was probably the big pinch moment going, okay, 
given we've kind of made this for musicians and this is like one of the world's biggest artists um, validating that this is a tool that's that's useful. Um, yeah, and it kind of, that's where it started. It probably didn't, didn't drop below 1,500 to 2,000 sign-ups a day from there. Wow. So, and then on that, right, and because I know that from the, you know, the landing page, Alicia Keys right there, did you re reach out to her? I know, like, Canva, obviously saw Guy Kawasaki using the product and reached out and then, you know, asked you know, him to be the evangelist. Yeah. Did you reach out to Alicia Keys and just say, how do you find the product? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we were wondering whether it was her, her management or an agency or something like that. And um, so we reached out and asked and we hadn't really heard back for a little bit. But eventually it turned out it was a digital marketing agency t attached to their lab her label that signed up, figured they would have an, uh, the rest of the roster. Um, so we reached out and, and offered to do custom themes for Alicia Keys and we'll do custom themes for the rest of your roster if you sign them up and then right. along came. So their roster was uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Eminem, The Killers, Pearl Jam, Tupac. Universal? Um, yeah. Um, so signed up all of them and they, they became, yeah, like yeah, other big artists um, that we started working with and it kind of flowed on from there, obviously for music. Doesn't get much bigger. No, yeah, well. Um, Backstreet Boys signed up today. <laughs> Backstreet Boys signed up today. We're well, pretty excited well, yeah, about that. There were some, there were some solid puns flying yeah. around. Um, <laughs> really could tell in the team who, who grew up in the 90s. Um, and yeah, but I mean, since then there's been Metallica and in, 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 in music, but we're so focused now as well on the, all the other verticals. We've, we've, there's about, um, when you sign up, you can either select from a bunch of verticals or you can put your own in. And there's 310 unique verticals that um, people have put in now. So in terms of the chefs, um, so chefs Jamie Oliver and Ottolenghi, um, through to uh, publishers, so Guardian and the whole Vice network, um, heaps of publishers across, across the world, which is super exciting. And again, that was a use case that we never saw coming. Yeah. Um, and that's something we're really focusing on, building out a feature set for that kind of use case. Um, what else? We've got brands, the whole, all of Red Bull, 200 accounts across the world, Qantas, Expedia, L'Oreal, um, and they kind of keep, keep coming. So it's, every day has become a bit of a pinch moment. We still don't take it for granted. These amazing people and brands keep wanting to use the product. Well, um and I'm mindful I've got probably some good questions up there. Um, was there some just some really, really cool stories that came back to you that you, you're super proud of that, you know, um, people using Linktree? Like maybe making a living as an artist now yeah. thanks to you or whatever? There's a bunch, um, yeah, because it's I was about to say, all the so cool as all these really big users, but the, of all the, the three, three and a half million users, the biggest, you know, most proportion of that is your kind of small business, your, your side hustler, uh, craft maker, a, a writer, whoever it is, um, they're using it to run their business and power their business and um, and they're so, so passionate because like it's their, their daily life. Sometimes their life, sometimes their side business, they're trying to get something on the side going. So the, the customer support with them is completely different to what it is to you know, an agency running it. Um, and whenever there might be you know, any kind of issue, they're the kind of users that are like, freaking out because then you've had some of those moments of like oh this these little things aren't really working this is costing me money it's like well it's not you just haven't got this thing right but anyway but like they get really passionate about it so um yeah there's probably you can probably talk some of more of the stats behind the scenes and what the people are converting to but um, we did a uh, partnership recently with amazon influencers 
and because Amazon Influencers Network has, you know, you can so does Amazon it. reach out to you on, in that occasion? Yeah, yeah they did. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It's great. It's really cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, but people that are making their living off their Amazon stores, um, they're building their profiles throughout social and using Linktree to drive people to the Amazon stores. So that's how yeah, those people are making a living, and Linktree is part of their ecosystem. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then was there any was there any issues with the you know from going from 10, 10 users a day to thousands, or is that just an AWS credits thing? Or, you know, like, I didn't know AWS credits existed, so yeah. that was a huge mistake. Um, I found out about that recently. I was like, damn it. Yeah. That would have been helpful. Um, it, no, there were plenty of problems, yeah. Um, <laughs> we certainly learned, have learned a lot um, about scale and DevOps and infrastructure. Um, Please give. Tell us. I wish I had a CTO here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty, plenty of problems along the way, and, and our team now is in, is incredible, and they've worked out um, how to deal with. So there's about 110 million uniques a month, um, about 400,000 logins a day. Um, so in terms of utilizing the admin and the, and the, the pressure on the database from that, um, and then the, the sheer traffic uh, volumes and, and clicks in the kind of analytics tracking side of things that we're that we're utilizing um, now as well. So. But to get to that point, it was, like we said, we built this to solve our own problem. It was not built to handle that much traffic. So a lot of the last six months or year since we've kind of we've had this really talented team now has been building, has, has been um, migrating the platform over to uh, much more modern infrastructure than what it was initially built for, um, which has helped a lot. And yeah, but we've certainly had moments where we've been completely sleepless nights when we've been down for 10 or 20 minutes or, um, and just the, the sheer anxiety when that's happening and you're kind of sitting there like, is it, is it done yet? Is it fixed yet? Um, and learn, learn how to deal with that and learn how to deal with developers and not upset them or annoy them. Um, <laughs> just let them do their thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly, in terms of learnings, like coming out of that, uh, how to, you know, build for, build for scale to start with, like build thinking that at least you're gonna that, that could happen and then you're going to have to be able to grow from there and don't, don't back yourself into a corner with so much tech debt that you now need to refactor a whole app. Um, and certainly from a customer support point of view with us, um, I remember yeah, Nick and I like constantly like, you know, this doesn't happen anymore, but in the first year or a couple of years when if it would go down and you've got Alicia Keys and these kind of artists using it and if you're like, if they're about to put an album out or something or they're relying on this product, people are relying on this product day in, day out to actually run their businesses and to run their releases or their product. Um, and we've got a responsibility to make sure that actually works. Um, so put a lot of effort in there, but in terms of like when it does go down, the customer support or do we put something on socials or do we not? Do we just hide it? Do we be outward about it and just kind of really learn in the procedure around what we should and shouldn't do or say? Stackler, oh this is a fun one. Stackler is suing Facebook, unlock shutdown after Google sued. Are you concerned your reliance on Instagram? Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, a good, it's a good question, you don't have to answer it because it's a, some asshole. Who's they are? <laughs> <laughs> Show your hand. That's right. Oh, it's my friend there, Greg. Um, <laughs> Thank yeah, you for I the mean, question. Like, it, is, it is a question, but I, 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 can I add to that to say, like, I can see some obvious ways you, you, you're going to evolve. Maybe it's some sort of e-commerce player or whatever. 
where this would not so much be a risk. I imagine, you know. Yeah, you're right, and it's it's not a risk uh, now. It's I mean, certainly, yes, it was built as a LinkedIn bio tool, a tool for Instagram, but right now it adds value to users across a multiple, um, a multiple platforms. Um, about 40% of our traffic doesn't come from Instagram. Um, people are using their links on LinkedIn and uh, Twitch and on their resumes and on business cards and in Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, and it's, you know, it's, it's designed and built as a URL that allows you to just connect your audience to your entire online ecosystem, and that's where we're, where we're really aiming so um, not just LinkedIn no, not just Instagram, not, not just Instagram. Yeah. so and that's I mean we get asked we were getting asked all the time when it was still very much you know in the first couple of years marketed as an Instagram product we get asked every day like can I use this on my Twitter can I use this um, and of course it's just a URL you can put it wherever you want uh, but now it's very much the onboarding process um, and the marketing is around um, helping people understand that you can use this wherever but it was really driven by users users would go we would see them you know Gary V for example only uses it on Twitter um, and he uses it as a, on Twitter and LinkedIn and Snapchat. It's not his Instagram bio tool. He uses it as a way to drive people to his podcast. So it's a tool that just allows you to really join a really what is now really fragmented in marketplace and internet, um, where you've got profiles on so many different platforms and you might be making a post um, that you need to drive to three or four different places. It allows you to really make sure you've got all your links in one place that are recent and relevant um, that you can you can put on across all your platforms, yeah. Uh, um, so this is this was a question I was gonna ask also that came from your from the PR team. You've got a bunch of these kind of copycats popping up. Um, how do you how do you how do you stay ahead of that and um, and then I guess stay focused on growth versus the products, you know, the feature set that everyone must be just, you know, hammering, you know, knocking down the door on? Um, it's a good question. Uh, it's kind of a good validation in a way that there's other products that are doing similar things. Um, there's a few, there's been a few funny moments like that along the way where, um, you know, there's been probably a couple of instances where there's been complete rip-offs, like actually just the exact same design, right down to the point of T's and C's still having our address and our ABN and everything in their privacy policy. And it's like, like, okay, well, kind of funny. But um, there's others that do really, really good stuff. But I think, you know, we were first to market and still have majority of the market share. Um, and others, there's some other ones out there that are still validated, you know, not, not, what is it, something like a billion active users on Instagram a month. Not to mention all the other social platforms, and you know, 50% of people use Twitter every every month on the internet. So there's a lot of tools for all of the platforms and products out there. Um, so don't expect to be the only one, but we stay focused on what we've always set out to do and keep it very conversion driven and very focused on that. It's all about getting to the end point and removing that friction. Um, we had a lot of requests along the way to, you know, have the grid on our on our on our thing. So it looks like your feed is like, what's the point of that? This is not what it was about. Yeah. Um, just having a grid up there. So and a few people are doing that already. Yeah, and people are doing that and do it well, and that's 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 great. So ours is all about moving that friction, getting to people where they need to go, and uh, we're focusing on that and adding features that's still in line with it, while also maintaining that really really clean design. And Nick's been like very headstrong on that, on the branding and why we keep things a certain way and keep it looking as simple and clean as possible. Um, and we've had some, some commentary from other people in, you know, for the past six months that sort of said, oh, I always know when I'm on a link tree and I know if, if I know I'm trusted um, because I know what it is and where I'm going. And um, 
it took a while to get that where, you know, the early days people didn't know what this thing was in BioLinks where like, you know, actually I click on this, I don't know, now it's become a bit of a trusted brand, you know what you're clicking on. Right. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, I was, I was add to that, yeah, we, that was super interesting with, you know, we would get, in those early days, we would get requests for the feature of custom domains all the time so people could put their own domain or own URL all the time and that is rarely the case now. People, um, we hear from people all the time that are signing up to Linktree to have a Linktree because it is a, a trusted brand and a trusted link in their profile which is something we're always really aiming for and, and even when it, coming from a product and design point of view, making sure that a Linktree always looks like a Linktree and doesn't matter where you land on a Linktree from, you know it's a trusted place and you know you're safe, um, you know what it is. Were you lucky you stuck to your guns on that otherwise you kind of diluted your own brand? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been embed ideas and all kinds of stuff, and Nick was always just like, we don't want to look like a MySpace. We don't want to just, like, have embeds everywhere, um, which he, yeah, he definitely stuck these guns on, and we've had commentary from, um, yeah, major, like, VCs in Silicon Valley saying that this is a, a brand that people trust, and that's why it's so interesting, yeah. um, which is, yeah, credit to Nico. Well done. Nico. And good, good segue, actually. So, you know, you've got three, over 3 million users now. Um, you've got the six dollar, you know, the premium kind of thing. I see a lot of money coming in the door, um, and the question really is the choice to stay bootstrapped. You know, obviously the control thing is, is definitely it must be, uh, you know, a strong reason for your success and maybe why you want to. But th there must be people knocking on the door trying to invest and, and want to take you everywhere and um, on Silicon Valley private jets and whatever. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Um, there is, yeah, there's a lot knocking on the door, which is exciting and humbling. Um, and we, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision to not get funding. Um, we, you know, as founder, had had a skill for design, had the, um, you know, we, we did what we could. To be honest, we didn't really know that much around the funding world, the VC world. We just didn't really realize it was an option. Um, probably comes from being around our parents, small business, you just do the thing, small business mentality, just do everything yourself. Um, so we just kind of did it. Um, we know a lot more about that world now, we're speaking to a lot of them, and we, super, we like welcome the conversations and always learn so much from them. Um, and we're not closed off to the idea of funding. Um, but yeah, and we'll, yeah, we'll kind of see where that goes, I guess. Um, let me take a couple of these. Um, the, the you build the product overnight, what's your advice for creating an MVP? What's your advice about creating an MVP? What do you reckon? Probably good about this. Uh, done's better than perfect. Yeah. Um, just get it done, get it out there, prove that it's a product. I, I speak to people now, it's like they're quitting a job or not taking another job because they want to go build this thing. Um, and my advice is always like, do it as a side hustle first and prove that it's a business. Put, get um, some kind of part of the product out there and just like let, we, we every, pretty much everything we built into the product was like feedback from people and from users, um, explaining, you know, and, and our, both feedback and then telling what they wanted, but also us seeing how people were using the product and how we could design for that and how we could um, build on that. And it's, there's so many things we've done that we would never have imagined doing before we built the thing to start with. So um, just, as cheap um, and simple as possible and just get something out there is, is I know it's easier, it's harder, to, easier said than done, but that's, that would be the advice, I'd say. Um, the point about side hustle is another question that I have for you guys on. Obviously, you still got the agency going. Is that just because you have a passion for the, for the creative music side? Why haven't you just 
What was it a conscious choice not to just go shit LinkedIn's where it's at right now, let's just do this or are you still um, playing around with it or? No, we pretty much have made that decision. So uh, we've recently just split our roles out and Alex is pretty much on Linktree full time. Um, and I'm sort of leading the agency whilst still have a role on Linktree from a strategic and marketing and partnerships point of view. We've got a team of 40 odd in the agency, so things are running reasonably reasonably smoothly, but um, there's a lot of learnings there, so it allows us to focus on Linktree a bit more. But yeah, we've, we made the conscious decision about six months ago where Alex is leading the drive on the product and the strategy for Linktree. Was that because he said, look, I have all the vision? <laughs> yeah, all the, all the way along. Little, little brother, let him have it. Fantastic. Coolest features you're most passionate about that the users have requested? That's a good question. This last, this from the uh, right. Coolest features that you're uh, most passionate about? That we've implemented? Oh, we're about to, or whatever you can share. Yeah, I'm done. I mean, there's, there's heaps coming actually. There's a, there's yeah. a big feature release happening tonight. We're going to go home and um, <laughs> work out the best way to market it. Um, but yeah, certainly like the newsletter integration um, was a big one. And, uh, and custom brand, it's, it's, it's super interesting with features actually. We can spend months and months designing and building this like incredible feature that we think is going to be amazing and it's going to be so great for marketers and it's super complex in its the way it's developed um, and how what it goes into it and users is just like eh, great like might move the needle a tiny bit and then we put out like a new background color and it's like yes like well, people love it um, so we've certainly uh, changed the way of thinking in terms of. Um, yeah, the kind of things we really make a big deal out of um, and what we spend a lot of time building. Um, but yeah, there's been heaps of really cool feature requests. I think a lot of it, like to start with, was around branding, customization, which we've built most of that out. You can now choose any color, background color, movie imagery, um, moving image fonts, um, that kind of thing. I think uh, a, lot of, a lot of it to start with was taking in advice or taking ideas from users and kind of collating that and understanding, you know, certainly as it was scaling, we understood a lot about what we wanted this product to be and what, you know, being so conversion driven and how we're going to achieve that. And a lot of the features we were putting out, people loved and users loved and we would always see big pro conversions from free to pro when we would put them out. Um, Certainly, is that just testing like ten thousand people at a time? How are, you, how are you doing that? We're doing that now. We did not have the capabilities of doing that early days, so um, it was kind of like yeah, just put it out. And uh, look again, because we didn't build this as a paid product, we built this um, to solve a problem. The free version is still extremely good. Most people don't need the pro version, um, so we are constantly trying to really improve that um, pro to free value gap um, and make sure that there's more and more features being added to pro, but also not alienating the free users and making sure it's still a really great product for free users to use because at the end of the day, they're our marketing tool. They're the people that are putting it, still another 3 million you know, users that are um, putting it in their profiles and sharing it around the internet. That, um, you know, it's what allowed us to, we've never spent, until a couple months ago, never spent a dollar on marketing. It was completely wow. organic growth. I'll take uh, one more question here. What's Linktree looking for now? What can help you most? It's like, you want? More developers. Engineers, anyone, come talk to us. Um, 
engineers more team, so we're now building out a lot of the team and growth has been around the engineering team, but now we're really focusing on growth, uh, marketing, product management. Um, we recently took on someone in the States, obviously it's a really huge market for us, um, doing a lot of that work like you, that you asked earlier around um, recognizing big users signing up, reaching out to them, seeing what agency they're part of, trying to build that network and making sure that all users are using it to best practice. So it's um, trying to build out more of the actual customer success support partnerships teams. Um, so yeah, that's where we're going in terms of the product. Um, so California? Did you get California? Or? California, yeah. So um, there's one now at the moment we plan to build that. So we're about, a team of about 12 at the moment. We plan to be 25, 30 over the next year. Um, so a lot of scaling to do um, and really capitalize on what we're trying to do and we're just really excited to just, I guess, build the product towards being that, that one place that we can help people connect their entire internet. Very cool. All right, I want everyone back on their feet. We'll wrap it up there. And uh, a big, big thank you to Linktree for coming out tonight, guys. startupgrind.com or join us at an event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.